My name is Rachel Peru and I'm a 50-year-old grey-haired curve model and I'm going to be your host for the Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling and on social media I found so many women, inspiring and amazing women over 40 who were really embracing their midlife and helping to break down the stereotypical barriers. I really wanted to share these stories with you, so let's celebrate and firmly place the spotlight on women over 40. My weekly reminder that you are not invisible and it's never too late to try something new. I'm excited to share that from this series onwards, Out of the Bubble will be teaming up with some of my favourite brands to be able to offer Out of the Bubble listeners some amazing discounts. So I'm starting off this month with Studio 10 Makeup. If you've never heard of this this brand, then it's founded by Grace Fodder after seeing a real lack in the market for makeup suitable for women over 35. It's 100% designed by women for women, real pro-aging makeup brand, which I absolutely love. It's become a staple part of my makeup bag. I don't know about you, but I find shopping for makeup, especially in department stores, can be really intimidating as we get older because our skin changes and we need different things and there's so much choice out there. I've had so many compliments after using Studio 10 makeup in the last couple of years about how flawless my makeup looks. And so Studio 10 offers a really easy to use range of products. I can't recommend them enough. So for Out of the Bubble listeners for this month until the 7th of March, you will be able to receive a 20% discount on all products. Just use Out of the Bubble 20 code at checkout. And I have to declare that this is part of an affiliation. So I would gain a small amount of remuneration if any sales were made through this code. But if you'd like to know more about Grace Fodder, you'll be able to catch up and listen to episode 40, where we get to find out more about the brand and why Grace really saw there was a need for it and what the soft, what the brand's all about. So if you'd like to know more about that, please go check out episode 40. But don't forget, it's on till now, until the 7th of March. And if you're looking to update your makeup, um, I would definitely recommend Studio 10's a great place to start. Out of the bubble 20, use discount code. Right, let's get started with today's guest. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Bubble podcast. And this week's guest has really blown me away. I'd like to meet Jen McKenzie. Jen McKenzie has been on quite an extraordinary and challenging um, life journey and is now coming out the other side, which is incredible to see. She's such an amazing woman and her honesty and her her passion for now helping other people through her conscious living coaching and spiritual mentoring is quite incredible. And I just take my hat off to her. She's got so much courage. But this is a real lesson for us all to not judge people and to take their stories and learn from them. So I hope you can learn lots from Jennifer's story today. So grab a coffee. It's an emotional one. And enjoy. So good afternoon, Jen. Thank you so much for coming to Out of the Bubble podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am. And we were talking briefly just before we got live about how, you know, we're both actually found that we're in similar groups on Facebook. And if nothing else, the pandemic has, has really encouraged some great new connections with, with like-minded women this year, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I just said to you, it's this year I've connected with very inspiring empowered women who are in business and it's it's refreshing mm. because um i've struggled in the past with relationship with with women and i think this year um i've really kind of reconnected with that and reconnected with um empowering female entrepreneurs 
Fabulous. So people that don't know you, how do you introduce and describe yourself? Okay, so my name is Jennifer McKenzie, but everyone calls me Jen. Um, my company is Lunar Spirit Wellbeing. Um, and within that company, I do lots of different things. Mainly, I coach women. Um, I do have some male clients as well. And um, I'm a holistic therapist and also a Reiki master teacher. So my company is all well-being, mind, body, spirit, well-being, where I treat the whole person rather than just a specific, say, injury or problem that's presenting. I will look at the bigger picture um, and I will delve really deep into the mind, the body and the spirit, even like take you back into past life stuff. Um, that if we can't get to the root of the problem in this life, then I take you back through to past life as well. Mm. And you, mm. this is something that you really discovered um, when you were really quite young. You, am I right in thinking that when you were really quite a young girl, you you, you discovered this spiritual side and, and an interest in, in different subjects like this? How old were you when you first discovered it? As young as I, back, as I can remember, I've always felt like there's something bigger than me out there. And then I just was in awe of the moon from um being a young girl and i burnt insects that i had crystals um and i was and i could connect to to spirit um but i didn't know it at the time that's mm. what i was doing but um i found that out in later life and uh, i i could read situations and read people very well um and i felt fascinated by the human mind and the human body and yeah, I, I've just built on that. And uh, when I was, my first daughter was a few months old, I then pursued it as a career. So back in 2003, I started my holistic journey, um, educational holistic journey, I suppose. So my mum was, um, is, sorry, she's not, she's still here. <laughs> but when I was a child, <laughs> my mum was really holistic. And so she would use essential oils on us. And that's another passion of mine is, is using alternative therapies to, to conventional medicine. Now, what I love about you is, you know, you have been on quite some, some journey um, to get to where you are now. And, and you've learned, you've, you've used all your experiences, plus your, your education around the, this, the, the alternative therapies to go and help other people now, which I think is fantastic. So can you take me back through some of these major hurdles that you have overcome? Because I think... Quite often we talk about coaches and we talk about people that can, we can go to as mentors without really appreciating what qualifies them for that. Because it's not just about the training that you've done, it's about all your life experiences that have gone into that as well, isn't it? I feel that, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd much rather go to um, somebody who, yes, has the credentials, but B, has experienced firsthand what the problem I'm trying to uh, fix, so to speak. Yeah, or understand is a better yeah. word. Yes, yeah. we don't fix it, and we just need to understand ourselves and understand what's going on. None of us are broken. <laughs> we just need that awareness and some little, little bit of guidance sometimes around some things. Yeah. So, going back then to, to to some of the hurdles that you have overcome. I mean, where do you start? Because you have had some really huge life life experiences that that some people would have really crumbled and not been able to move forward from, and you've managed to overcome it. Yes, I've experienced um, some tough, tough things in my life. But I'll start from, 
I suppose about eight or nine years old. When um, I was in middle school, um, I've, I've always been quite a sensitive child and I was called difficult. Um, um, and, but I was always, I challenged adults and I'll challenge people and I'm not afraid to speak my mind. Um, and I was at middle school, I was very outgoing. I would take part in the drama classes performances i would love to dance and do gymnastics and you know i dreamed of like being on stage and in front of people and uh, um i actually wanted to be an actress when i was younger believe it or not and very very different from what i actually ended up doing and so i was bullied by a few people at school i was little i still am i had these like rosy cheeks and it's awful kind of like Cut a bowled haircut. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, cheers, mum. <laughs> and um, I was slightly weird because I, I shaved all my head underneath, um, and I wore like DM boots and I burnt incense, so I was a little bit different. Um, but I I got bullied because I was quite sensitive, so I got called crybaby and had these rosy cheeks. So they used to take the mick out of me. There was this kids program called Rosie and Jim when, when I was younger um, and so they used to sing that song and 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 laugh at me when I was dancing or something like that and and it really squashed my personality I started to think there was something wrong with me I started to feel ugly um, I didn't like myself um, and I stopped doing things I enjoyed uh, and I I just wanted to be away. I, I started skipping school. I didn't go. Um, I used, then I used to act out. I got in lots of trouble because I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't, you know, sit down and take it, so to mm -hmm. speak. And I did fight back. So, you know, there was some, and then I got called difficult and again and things like that. So it, it growing up was difficult. <laughs> and mm -hmm. when I got to my teenage years, I was extremely shy. I'd gone from one extreme to the other. And yeah. um, I felt painfully shy and I didn't like myself. Um, and I got quite a lot of attention from boys, but I didn't understand why, because I felt so ugly inside. And then I, at 14, 13, 14, very young, I discovered alcohol and drugs. And it, and one didn't lead to the other. They were all there at once. Mm. Um, hard drugs, you know, like crack mm. and um, cocaine, ease, speed, the, all of the things I could get my hands on, I was taking. Um, and I would drink, but I wouldn't drink a bit. I always, from the beginning, I wouldn't stop until I passed out mm. um, or something happened <laughs> yeah so it was i'd never have an off button yeah and it soon became a problem and it would cause me problems in my relationships because i was not a very nice drunk and i think all that hurt and that pain underneath that anger mm. you know because anger what's underneath anger is fear yeah. you know it's sadness and hurt you know hurt people hurt people so it, i think all that was coming out and projecting then when it, i took the lid off it 
Um, so I, I did have problems in my teenage years, just very, relationships were hard. The relationships were, were other people, friends, family, myself, most mostly, mm-hmm. and and it, I, and that relationship with myself informed all the others around me. Uh, and I f- first tried to commit suicide when I was about sixteen years old, and I took an overdose. Or my dad was downstairs. I took because uh, I'd gone to live with my dad. So I promised my mum, and mm-hmm. um, I drank a bottle of vodka and took out forty painkillers. And um, I, went, I passed out. And when I woke up, I was just had this yellow stuff around mm-hmm. my mouth. Yeah. And but I was like, oh, okay. I thought that was it. <laughs> you know, I thought that was. It. But it, um, I was taken to hospital, but nothing ever happened. Nothing. I could I had no support. Everybody just forgot about it. It got swept under the carpet, and we just all carried on. Mm-hmm. No support from from my mental health, no support for anything, and and oh yeah, we just all covered in, like nothing had happened. And I went away actually. I moved. I'd finished school at fifteen. I left and went down to to live in uh, Surrey as a, a living job with horses because my my passion was horses and I found horses. They were my escapism. Mm-hmm. And whenever I was there, I felt whole. And whenever I was with the horses, nothing else mattered. And then I would have to go home and then it would all be come back again. Um, so drinking continued really up on and off in my teenage years. And then when I was um, 17, I met like my first long-term partner, my older girl's dad. And we ran pubs. I came back from the horses. We had two pubs together. So at a young age, I, I was very... I had my name above the door, so I was a landlady, and it, I, I had a lot of responsibility. I felt very grown up then, um, at 18 years old, as so I think I was the youngest landlady in my hometown. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was good for a while, and we decided to start a family. Um, when I, I had my daughter, first daughter, when I was 20, she's now at university, <laughs> and, uh, which sounds really weird. Mum of an adult. I know, scary. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, things were okay for a while, and I had, then I had my second daughter, and um, I got diagnosed with postnatal depression. Um, but I, I always had these ups and these downs. It was mm. never like a continuum. It was binge drinking, and then it was uh, then I was okay. Then it was binge. Then it was it was up, down, up, down, and it was like self sabotage. And then yeah. I was doing really well I've made I've done lots I've done loads of things in my life I've had a really good life but there's always been this background thing of me self-sabotaging and me hating myself yeah um that stemmed back from a very early age and I broke up with my partner of eight, ten years I think we were together which is quite a long time at that yeah. age really and um but then the drinking spiraled and I was drinking a lot secretly because I was working um, for selling houses at the time. So I had a good job mm. by day, good, a nice car, a nice house. I was a single mum at this point with two small girls. Um, and I was getting them to school. On the outside, my life looked amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, strong, independent woman, like, yeah. you know, a good job. And um 
fairly young and good looking. <laughs> it was like I had everything really yeah. from the outside, but internally I was in pain. I don't think I'd um, really dealt with anything that had happened in the past. Mm. I think I was very heartbroken from this relationship as well, but I, I pulled the plug on it because respect was no longer being served. Mm. And I said, you know, if you keep going out and staying out and not being here, then I will, you know, I'll end it. Even mm. though I had to walk away from somebody I was, I loved very deeply, mm. which now I can admit that it broke my heart. Yeah. But I think, yeah, and since I've addressed that, but I think at the time, I didn't really want to admit that. And I was very good at hiding everything, suppressing my emotions. And for those that don't know, if you do that, you end up with dis-ease in your body. You end up with physical conditions. And you end up with this internal turmoil, um, emotional turmoil. And it has to come out somewhere. Mm. Um, and... I slowly started to derail. Um, the drinking got more. I I got asked to leave my job. <laughs> um, I crashed my car. Um, it is that self sabotage. It's, it's almost like you you were just imploding yourself, were you? It was like self destruction. Yeah, it, I I think then I was too far in. It mm. was on this massive self destruct. Um, but obviously nobody could tell me any different. I was right and you were wrong and I was fine and I could do what the hell I wanted to do because that's, that was me. And then, then the drug, the cocaine um, came back in and it was like I was taking that in the mornings. I was doing it every day. I was drinking every day mm. and I became not very about nice person to be around. And I did. I lost everything. Mm. And, I, and I could, then I, it got me and I couldn't stop. I felt like I couldn't stop. I mean, I'm, you know, some people might think it's the addiction selfish, but I can assure you that it, 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 yes, it was my choice, I suppose. And it was my, it's my responsibility to get out of it. But I got, so I couldn't stop. I'm yeah. and those feelings, those overwhelming feelings. I tried to stop. I remember running at the wall once and banging my head against the wall. So I was like, no, I don't want to do it. Yeah. And then it's like, but then the next minute you're doing it. Yeah. And, yeah. and that is when you've lost control of it. Mm. Mm. And how do you, so how do you even begin to start to, to find your way back out of that to where you are now? <laughs> well, <laughs> it, that was, you know, I was in my twenties and I'm now 38. Um, and it, I, I lost everything. And then my children went to live with their dad. I'd lost, then I lost the house. Then I was 29 years old and I had nothing apart from a terrifying addiction that I, that I couldn't, I felt, I felt I couldn't control. And yeah. um, I had to live with my mum and put my stuff in storage. And, but that still didn't stop me. I still tried and then it, uh, it was still, it was still there. I mean, then my mum literally got fed up with my behavior 
and I was homeless. So I was homeless, addicted to drugs and alcohol, and found out I was pregnant. Oh gosh. With my yes. So I was like, I can't carry on. It's what am I supposed to do? And having that kind of realization, I've literally lost everything. I've lost everything. Um and eventually I did get housed. I sofa surfed for quite a while, just kind of bumbling through life, not not working, not doing anything, just um me and my thoughts really. Mm-hmm. And it was a very, very, very lonely place. My family weren't really talking to me. Um any kind of decent friends that I had 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 enough. Mm. Um, so the only people I really had around me were people who were doing the same thing as me. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So how do you escape from that? That's that's like a vicious circle, isn't it? Yeah. And then in the end, uh, I did get housed, and then. Um, you know, my, my daughter came along with, we, she was actually born when I was in like temporary housing. Um, and we had a mattress on the floor. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah. <laughs> so I was then, you know, a single mum, um, in temporary accommodation, nothing, I, you know, basically I did have a roof, I had a roof over my head, thank God, but it, you know, I, didn't have anything to show for my life anymore. Mm. And we we did get a house and I tried to like rebuild my life and around with my daughter. And I met then my son's dad uh, when she was quite little, about six months old. And you know, I, I just went from relationship to relationship, sort of saying bouncing from here, there and everywhere. And, and I would get in relationships with people who are narcissistic um, and controlling. So all my relationships, my very first relationship at, at about 15, 16, um, was with somebody very controlling. Would ask where I was, I was going, he'd throw stones at me when I was trying to get on the bus with my friends. Um, and. So there, there's a pattern there. So, yeah. I've, um, but I feel it, that all comes down to self worth. Yeah. Well, and the partners we attract is what's going on inside us. Mm. And I'm an empath, and I am a shining light for yeah. uh, narcissists. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm, I, it's was mental abuse, and I've suffered physical abuse. Um, I have been hospitalised before. I've got 25 stitches in my face, in my lip, from uh, a man who punched me in the face. And, um, yeah, so as you can imagine, like, those first, those 20 years of my life, from 14 years old to, like, 34, Mm. 35, were 20 years of of this. Yeah. Violence. I fell into some wrong crowds, and I've experienced... The, the darker side of life, let's yeah. just say, yeah. without going too much into to criminality and mm. violence and all that. That uh, I've seen a lot, let's put yeah. it that way. Yeah. Um, so I suppose that made me wiser, stronger, uh, in a lot of ways. And um, 
I was then in this new relationship with my son's dad. I got pregnant very quickly. It was a, it's like he couldn't have children, I don't think. And like, well, yeah, anyway, without going too much into detail, he was a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I then I've got these two babies, like 18 and 19 months apart, and still got this thing going on in my head. So, I'll just take you back, sorry, a little bit, right? Um, with the ups and the downs, I kept getting diagnosed as depression, postnatal depression. Um, and then while I was pregnant with my daughter, I was like, this is not, not right. This, I'm not right. This is weird. It, it's not depression. Mm -hmm. So I went to the doctor and said, I don't feel right. I've explained to him the ups and downs and everything. He's, yeah, you need to see a psychiatrist. Went to the psychiatrist. They diagnosed me with OCD and bipolar disorder because mm -hmm. I would always have everything in order, in place, and then, like very obsessive behavior. Yeah. They diagnosed me with those, those two things. So kind of suddenly everything made sense. My behavior made sense. And, um, I could then research bipolar and what it was and had the best ways to, to deal with it. So then I've got these two babies. I'm on like a cocktail of medication. I've got this arsehole of a partner who's always right, egotistical and doesn't get mental health, doesn't understand what it is mm -hmm. and drinks every day. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to not do all this stuff and trying to make myself better whilst looking after children and Try, I'm trying to heal yeah. while I'm being a mum and and then I've got somebody who just doesn't understand what mental health is and when I ask him not to drink in the house because I'm not trying I'm trying not to do it he mm. said that's my problem not his yeah and you know follows me around to want trying to wind me up um telling me what a shit parent I am an awful person and um Sorry, am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, don't worry. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I still, I've still got this, all this inner turmoil. And, and, but I just still don't understand what was going on. And, and in the end where we were, um, due to get married actually in um, 2015 in August and I did my Reiki masters um, in 2014 on a on a full moon um, and Halloween how cool is that and for an it was amazing and something shifted massively in me so if anybody knows about Reiki, um, when you do like your Reiki one, it, you do get a massive like internal shift. And like the more you do it, the more you want to shed and the more conscious you become. So when I did my Reiki masters, it was actually, you know, 10 years apart from my one and two. And then I went back my masters, but I felt the, the pull to do it. I wanted to, to teach. I wanted to go back to work um, after having the two, two little ones. Yeah. Um, so, I had this huge shift in me and I looked at him and he goes, I oh, will get to spend the rest of our lives together. And I shuddered. It's <laughs> <laughs> not the reaction he was hoping for. <laughs> and I started to wake up a lot more. Mm -hmm. I started to think this is not what I want. 
and I, I, we came, we came to a big uh, explosive end, and I got arrested, and he got arrested, and then he ended up getting arrested for drunk driving. I got off because I didn't do anything. <laughs> Good night. Um, and tried to get me done for assault on a police officer. I'm like, really? Okay. Mm. <laughs> and you know, but I got in a unanimous not guilty in court because it, it's like, oh, you need to understand mental health. Yeah. Why? Why is your sergeant not trained in mental health? You're here for my mental health, not here to arrest me. But anyway, <laughs> that's um, a story for another time. <laughs> but, and, you know, it still, all my life was unravelling. And, it, it, yeah, nothing was kind of, nothing felt safe. Or nothing felt continu on, on a continuum. It didn't feel like, I didn't feel content. I didn't feel happy. I felt I was still in this this had this emotional turmoil inside it was yeah yeah and we broke up anyway and like because he he was just nasty a lot of the time and he said your older girls are they know what you're like and they don't want to be around you which is they do but mm. and he said these two are too young and too dumb to know what you're like and you know that, that sort of stuff yeah and he never laid a finger on me physically like that but those but mentally people, mental tortures just that, as bad. Oh, it was and it drove me insane yeah. and, oh, i i really started to feel i i was better off not here mm. really really did and um you know i i wasn't with him at the time and i would get these horrible messages from him and it was like do you know what everyone's better off without me so I kind of planned planned it all, um, and uh, the kids were being looked after by someone. Um, I put the key locked, put the keys in the doors, turned them so they couldn't use spare keys. Family and that, and I tried to save my own life. Oh gosh! Yeah, and hardly surprising. I can I have to say I, I am not surprised because that's that's just too much for one person to cope with without support. Yeah, and I thought, do you know what? I can't hold down a relationship. I can't be a mum. Um, I can't stop this self-sabotage. I, I keep doing good things and then I drink again and I ruin it all. Mm. Um, and I, I'd been in and out of recovery. Um, I'd done my 12 steps. Um, and uh, yeah, I had these periods of sobriety and these periods of doing really well. And... And I had some really bad bipolar episodes with psychosis and stuff like that. And it was like the voices in the head and, and seeing things and hearing things. And it, you know, it all got too much. Yeah. All got too much. And I just didn't know what to do anymore. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know I couldn't trust people. Um, it's like nobody cared. Mm. So, and I felt like a burden. Yeah. So how did you, what stopped you? How did you call yourself back out about that? Because I've got so much respect for you because you have been through so much, but you are now a shining beacon that helps so many other people. Well, so how did you, must you've got so much strength inside well, you? I cut, I slipped my wrists and like I was unconscious. Um, and I sent a message to my friend before 
and she must have thought this doesn't sound quite right so she kind of raised the alarm and then they broke in the, um, my family and some friends broke in and found me in time and I got taken to hospital and bandaged up and then I woke up bandaged up and I the first thing I did was try to get out to get tablets to finish myself off so I got sectioned um for my own safety they sectioned me um uh, involuntary it was but I had to go to a psychiatric ward for a while and I'm the first few days I didn't wash still covered in my own blood mm. I was like I don't want beer I looked at myself in the mirror I didn't I look didn't recognize myself mm. um and I wouldn't eat but I this one day I went to the canteen to eat and I when I came back um, I had my big blue book. So anyone who's familiar with AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, they've got, they have a book. It's called the Big Book of AA. Um, and on top of my book was a white feather. Just there on the top of the book. I was like, well, where? There's no windows in here. There's no doors. <laughs> you can't get out. There's nothing to get in. Everything's plastic. You know, there's no feathers in here. And the bit is just right in the middle and i do i dropped to my knees and sobbed mm -hmm. the lid come off and a light yeah. switch back on something clicked in me and i just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and i was like i'm meant to be here i'm meant to be here to do to do something <laughs> you know mm -hmm. be a light worker to be a healer I wasn't supposed to go at this time. And I decided I didn't want to do this anymore. I didn't want to feel like that. And I would, I made a promise to myself there and then in that moment that I would never give up again. And I haven't. That was five years ago um, at the end of November. So it's just, just five years. And I have slowly rebuilt my life um you know one step at a time yeah and and i've learned to love myself again that's the key isn't it throughout the whole story that i've been listening to i've been thinking this girl just didn't right from an early age because she yep. was taught by other people that she wasn't going to be good enough to fit in you then start not loving yourself and unless you can do that then nobody else around you is going to do it back are they people loved me mm. yeah my parents they love me my family they love me but I didn't love me. Yeah. And then you you can't see that. I don't think you can... You, it's a difficult one. I think people love you when you don't love yourself, but it's hard to, to recognise why people love you. Mm. You don't believe that they love you because yeah. you don't love yourself. Yeah. And, yeah, I just try thought you know what i i want to do my holistic therapy i want to help people and i wasn't long out of hospital and i was like why i don't i barely have anything i have got about three pound fifty but i've got a passion in my heart that i want to help people so i had an old massage bed from a, a previous salon and i started the healing shed as my um first business and I kept the idiot's <laughs> tool shed in the garden 
converted it into my business and then called it the healing shed. <laughs> yeah. Get rid of it and keep his yeah, shed. Love it. And then turn it into a business. Yeah. And become, um, uh, yeah, an independent, strong woman. But how empowering did that feel? How did that feel when you when you really were you you kind of shed all that and you were really starting to get to the heart of who you were? How did that feel? What did it did it feel as as good as you hoped it would? To start with, it, I'm not going to lie, it was very difficult because I was healing whilst I was healing others. Yeah, and but the most wonderful thing to witness is when that light comes on again in other people and and getting them to understand themselves like I was learning to understand myself mm. and it, it went from like strength to strength and I've gone from strength to strength there's been ups and downs I actually had another um relationship with a very horrible narcissist for um in i got with him in like 2017 mm -hmm. um whilst i was in i met him in recovery uh so he was a recovering addict as well and mm -hmm. um, a very charming very good at lying one <laughs> like we are <laughs> you know you learn that in um in this kind of world that i lived in mm -hmm. uh how to get what you want through um, manipulation and lying unfortunately mm -hmm. um and yeah, but it, it, the, once his mask fell off, I was uh, pretty much head over heels in love with him. And uh, I did stick around through things that probably shouldn't, um, which I would never do now. Yeah. And I think that, that then um, has taught me even more valuable lessons. So, I, you know, I don't hate people and I, I don't resent people. I let go of, let go of that and, and forgive, but not for, not for them, for me. I don't yeah. hold on. Um, and that, that's kind of like part of why I teach as well. Yeah. So yeah, let's talk about the, the, the positives that have come out of this. This yeah. is your your gift now to helping others. And um, so so tell me about the practice and the and the, the, the kind of things that you're working on and how you can help other people. So my company is Lunar Spirit Wellbeing. Um and I, like I said earlier, under that umbrella of well-being, I do lots of things. And one of them is holistic therapy. One of them is I teach Reiki. And um, after all that I went through and all that happened to me, I was like, I, I want to be a life coach. Because I found I was coaching people mm. in my therapy anyway. And I was like, do you know what? I really want to do this. I want to learn, you know, I want to get like, the qualifications and I want to do this properly. Yeah. Um, so I did. And I trained to be a life coach and um, I helped others predominantly women um i help them overcome self-sabotage i help them learn to love themselves and be more confident so it, one of the courses i do is called inner peace expansion and it's your journey to conscious living so i've named myself the conscious living coach because mm -hmm. that's what it's about it's about becoming aware Aware of why, aware of who you are, mm. what you want to do, and where you're going. And it's for, for me, you need to know who you are and what makes you tick. Yeah. 
and understanding what emotions are um and understanding that you know all emotions are they're neutral they're not good or bad um we often label emotions as good or bad yeah having these bad emotions yeah. they're not bad they're necessary so and they're a necessary part of healing so i think for me i was under the impression that you know, i had to hide all these bad when i wasn't you know i would never admit that what they what i was feeling you know so anger resentment jealousy sadness they're all necessary emotions and they come up in, in all stages our lives yeah. whoever we are and wherever we are and what age we are is irrelevant yeah. they can't you're right it does it's, have this a fear fear attached to it doesn't it society sticks a fear label on, on those emotions so we just bury it and don't talk about it you don't see people go i'm so freaking jealous of that person today yeah. but, but it's not against that person it's in within you yeah of course yeah so if you start feeling that judgment or that feeling of envy or jealousy you need to find out what's in it why why is it why does it bring that up and it won't be anything to do with anybody else it's yeah. everything to do with you and in you and and i think that's, that's so important to understand that yeah and uh yeah and then just getting back to basics for me getting back to basics and start start liking yourself first liking parts that that are okay that you think are okay then you can start loving them and then start liking the bits you don't like and then you start to love them and for me that is where the power lies and that is female empowerment for me mm. liking the bits just learning to love the bits you don't like in the first place yeah absolutely and i think how do you how do you make that first step then to, to wanting to get to that place because it's when you're in the bottom of that pit it's really hard to get yourself out of isn't it so what advice could you give to just making that first step the first step is surrender <laughs> just surrender yourself to yeah. you yeah and it's all about surrender and acceptance for me those two of my favorite words mm um and you don't have to do things overnight it's just little baby steps sometimes yeah and it can be something as if you're in that depression it can be something as simple as getting dressed it doesn't have to be these massive big things in life to to make yourself feel better yeah. you know they, they come later for me i think um and the first and foremost part of it is learning to kind of accept yourself speaking to somebody a mentor or a coach or or somebody you trust outside of your circle so to speak mm -hmm. it, um somebody impartial that's it yeah mm. yeah yeah and how how difficult is it for you because you are an empath so you are helping people that have possibly had similar stories and backgrounds to you. And, and so how, how do you protect yourself from that? How, what boundaries do you put up for yourself so that you don't take on that as well? Whilst, whilst you're, because you're always going to be recovering from a situation like this, aren't you? It's not just a done deal. It's always going to be work done. Yeah. Yes. Because there are triggers mm. that come up. Um, it's a, an ongoing cycle. So mm. I was spirituality saved my life. Yeah. Meditation my life um i teach now teach meditation mm -hmm. um because i learned to be a meditation teacher because 
of how it saved my life. Yeah. Um, so, so I've got your question now. I've got well, just how, what do you, what, what boundaries do you put in place for yourself? Right. What's your self care to make sure that you don't take on the burden of all the other people that you try to help? Um, so I then discovered what an empowered empath is. So, and protecting yourself. So I'm very intuitive and very empathetic. So I, I can sometimes literally absorb everything mm. that's going on. So um, I learned to protect myself with spiritual practice. So I'll put up a protection bubble. I'll put my mirrors up if people are being really negative. So it just gets reflected right back at them. Yeah. And that. so those sort of things. And then I need my meditation practice 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that fixing people is not my responsibility at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it's anybody's responsibility to heal fix um anybody else apart from themselves and knowing that is uh does protect me because i'm there and um when i'm in my job i'm doing my job i'm there 100 percent. but and i'll give you the tools so you can do what you need to do and i'll be there as a, um, a mentor and a confidant but i don't may wave a magic wand and fix you you do that all yourself the yeah. magic is in you I'll just help you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what now? So I can imagine in those dark days that you didn't really have goals and aspirations. So what drives you now? What, what you know? What, what goals and dreams do you have now? Because I'm sure you have lots. I did have goals and dreams. Um, did you? Yeah, definitely. Because it was always that duality for me. Mm-hmm. Apart from when I was in, you know, in crack dens, smoking yeah. <laughs> crack, and uh, not really caring about anything. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I, then no um but i i've always wanted to live abroad mm. um i've always dreamed of having a well-being place in thailand oh yeah i am setting the wheels in motion it's on my board oh, wow. I've, I've announced it to the universe so um this is my five-year plan so recently i have started my own podcast as well um which is on my list called that in a voice which has done amazingly well. Did it get to the number one of the charts? No, not my podcast. Oh. My book. Your book. You booked it, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Let's get that in as well. 2020 for me. Anyway, I set myself some goals in 2019. So I must have started a YouTube channel, which I've done, um, which I've got lots of meditations on there. And I do a talk show called uh, Real Talk with Jen on a Wednesday where I give people a platform to share their story because mm. I find sharing a story very empowering yeah um once you once you've once you own your story and you're comfortable with it and you're not speaking like from that you know that trauma place still mm. from something that you've understood and, you, and you've relatively healed from okay um i think then it's that's the time then to start talking about it. you don't have to but i find it empowering and i want to help people um i talk very openly and honestly about mine and um so one was writing a book um, so I got an opportunity to write a chapter in a book called Love Thy Body Project, um, Real Life Stories, Volume 1. Mm-hmm. And me and 23 other women who have written our story. Mine's called um, From Suicide to Spirituality, My Journey Back to Love. <laughs> so mm-hmm. all about like how I, we're all born to love ourselves and we lose it from conditioning and, and outside experiences. Yeah. And then um, it was about my journey back to 
to love. Um, so was that's that quite a therapeutic process to write that, or was it quite hard to write? Um, some of it was really difficult. Hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was difficult because um, writing about my children hmm. um, and. Um, as you might imagine, I have had quite a lot of guilt and shame around a lot of things to do with being a parent and, um, yeah, the things that they've kind of seen. Mm. Uh, but, you know, now I've got a healthy relationship with all four of them and uh, yeah. they love me unconditionally and I'm glad yeah. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> because, uh, you, know, you know, what would that have done to them as well if I had succeeded? Yeah in my mission mm. yeah um so my goals is then to write my own book i've mapped out um what i want to say um like the chapters and things so it's going to be a mix of autobiography and self-help yeah. uh, um and there'll be lots of funny stories in there as well <laughs> because i have fun along the way yes i'm <laughs> sure <laughs> i some extremely um interesting stories and i've had a very colourful life um let's put it that way yeah. um yeah and, and i think I, it's really good though i love the fact that you're so honest about it because society is so bad at judging people without hearing their stories and without seeing all sides of it and like you say there were there was light and shade and dark and all colors of the rainbow in that story and i think it's really important to share that because people need to understand and not judge um and i've recently started my opened my modeling portfolio again so oh brilliant you model as well and yes, I was like yeah it's amazing and yeah and I did it when I was younger and um oh, then there's all sorts of you know things that got in the way of that as well mm. and partly was like agents telling me that um I needed yeah my mum tum and all this stuff so I think with the work that I was kind of going for which is now why I post pictures of me with my mum tum out yeah <laughs> hell yes because society likes to tell us that stretch marks and a bit of roll of fat here and there um and so-called imperfections are are not acceptable yeah well now's uh, definitely a good time to get into modeling I think because there is definitely a shift in in, in the way that the media and advertising and, and fashion brands are seeing because consumers want to see women that they can relate to without that perfect um you know expectation that doesn't exist it doesn't because it's no. false yeah that's i've actually posted um on facebook uh, last week um a picture of me that's been all been um photoshopped and and then one for real me yeah <laughs> yeah people got you actually look better in the real one i'm sure you do i'm just gonna say that you look gorgeous i should go and look that out so how can people find you jen um, so my Instagram is at the underscore conscious underscore living underscore coach, <laughs> the conscious living coach. Um, my website is lunaspiritwellbeing.com. My Facebook is Jen Luna Spirit McKenzie. And that's my personal or the healing shed because <laughs> I have all these little umbrellas of things. So I've got yeah. my coach. So the conscious living coach is about my coaching. Luna Spirit is like the company brand. Um, the healing shed is my actual treatment room. Mm -hmm. 
brilliant. Well, I'll put all those notes on, on the uh, podcast notes afterwards. But it, I, I can't thank you enough for your honesty of sharing the story. And it really is quite moving. But what I love is is to see you come out of this journey and all the exciting things you're doing now. It's amazing. And I just take my hat off to you. I think, you know, I think it's amazing what you're doing and helping others through, should not only through the work that you're doing with, with, with your healing and with the healing shed and with the treatments, but also by sharing your story. Because there'll be so many people out there that have got similar stories that are, are too scared to, to voice them. So thank you for giving people a voice. So my last question that I give to everybody is because I think women are notoriously bad at accepting compliments. If you were to pay yourself a compliment, what would it be? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> we're ready for that. Everybody, everybody has the same reaction. <laughs> um, you should be extremely proud of yourself, Jennifer. Absolutely. What a perfect way to end this talk. Thank you so much for your time, Jennifer. I really appreciate it. I love it to have connected. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you. Well, as I said in my introduction to this podcast, you know what an incredible story Jen has. And Jennifer McKenzie is such an inspiring young lady um, who is, you know, as she heads into her 40s, she's now got this new life ahead of her. And I'm sure she's going to go on and help so many other women find their way. So hats off to her. I have the utmost respect and the fact that she is so honest about her journey, I hope can lead us all to sharing our stories a lot more and also not judging people. You know, we're so quick to judge in society about other people paths and, and choices and without really walking in their shoes how can we understand it so thank you so much to Jennifer for sharing some of her experiences and what she's been through and you know it shows you how resilient women can be we are amazing the fact that we can overcome so much and the fact that she's still standing and not only that but going on to help other people is just all credit to her. I think it's amazing so I hope you've enjoyed this 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 interview and it's been a tough one, I'm not going to lie, I had to really fight back the tears, I just wanted to give her a big hug. So uh, we'll be back next week, take a breath, um, and I'll be showing some more inspiration next week, but in the meantime, keep being fabulous. Thank you for listening to Out of the Bubble podcast. I hope you found lots of inspiration and it's left you with some midlife food for thought. How would you compliment yourself? I'd love to hear from you so I can share some love for all you women over 40. Please get in touch. Email me, rachel at outofthebubblepodcast.com. You can also come and join the Facebook page at Step Out of the Bubble. I'll be back next Monday, but in the meantime, keep being fabulous.